I guess I was pretty horny. What's in the bag? A shark or something? Oh, no, not the beast! God damn it! How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? I'm a vampire. Kill me. Fucking files! Have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beaten to you? Pissed! Blood! That's our boy Nicholas Cage. What are these fucking iguanas doing on my coffee table? If, if Asia ever wants to talk, you gotta get like way over. Yeah. Papa, can you hear me? <laughs> um, what's the, what is the level hitting? Um, if we're talking like this and we're yelling and we're saying, grind faster for fuck's sake. Oh, it looks, it looks, <laughs> I'm not good at this. <laughs> what is the number at? Like where the. Oh, oh, uh, oh, it's like negative 18. No. That's fine. When it peaks, it's at negative six-ish. That's so fine. good. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's good. Okay. So, welcome to Gone in 60 Seconds. Welcome. Friend. It sounds so echoey. It's freaking me out. No, I think it's just the headphones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Although, you're probably definitely going to be able to hear the air conditioner. <laughs> oh, that's okay. So, you can't see this right now, but we are currently taking this shit on the physical road. We are literally on the five south <laughs> and it might if it is echoey i'm sorry it's because we're literally in a car <laughs> we're in my 1991 toyota camry yes the boat. the boat um on our way to san diego to drop off our our guest who's leaving us today oh i hate it so so this is gone in 60 seconds i'm marta perillo i'm asia garman i'm ellen <laughs> Ellen Booth, <laughs> my, this is our my mother. Well, fun thing about Ellen is that she's actually the reason that Asia and I know each other. True. So now we're all here together. It's very beautiful. Thanks, yes. Denny's and Ellen. Yes. Denny's to sponsor me. This is not sponsored. No. <laughs> I don't want to hold this anymore. Okay. So it's going to be interesting because Asia is definitely going to be yelling into the mic about road rage and yeah so this week we watched eight millimeter a 1999 film it came out hang on this movie does a disservice to 1999 1999 is such an amazing year for films yeah this was not one of them truly not it's okay yeah okay um yeah i agree as far as um, the other films we've seen from 1999, I mean, like, Sixth Sense, man. Sixth Sense, American Beauty, uh, Fight Club. Oh, shit, yeah, that was 99, wasn't what it? What else is 99? There's so many. All of them. All of them. Not 8mm, though. <laughs> Not 8mm. Um, okay, so let's see. So what this film came out. This is so weird. I hate this. <laughs> the shoulder is like the size of three lanes. I know, it doesn't make sense. Hello? Hello. Can I help you, sir? <laughs> what do you have to say about this? What does this back of his helmet says? Go fast or die. Why the fuck? No, okay, it doesn't. That's I not can't. what it says. It did say something it like that. <laughs> Sorry, a uh, motorcycle came up fast on Why us. did he drive next to us for so long? I know, I was staring at him, and I have my headphones in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was trying to, like, hold the mic to him, like, sir, what are your thoughts? Denny's. So on that sir note, I would like Ellen and I to tell a story about what we did last night. Do it. It was an eventful night. 
It was supposed to be an uneventful night. We were going to go to No Vacancy in Hollywood. That didn't happen. Instead, we decided that we were going to get... Here, I'll hold it. <laughs> Instead, we decided that we were going to get tattoos at like 9 p.m. Um, from our very good friend, Brandon Dew. Yeah. He's a homie for sure. Thanks, Brandon. He did mine and Asia's matching Umbrella Academy tattoos. And he and didn't now judge us. And he didn't, yeah, he oh, didn't judge I'm us I'm not driving in the lane. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but he recently switched shops and he's up in uh, Canoga Park now, where he was in Glendale before, so it's a bit of a long haul. Um, but for whatever reason i don't know if like my dumbass just didn't enter that we were supposed to be going to canoga park but we ended up going to topanga instead oh shit which is in the mountains yes um so you have to drive a one-lane road there so we're driving a one-lane road through the mountains shitty headlights in a fucking 1991 toyota camry um and it was really hard to see and I was really stressed because I didn't want to die and I didn't want to kill Ellen because she's so beautiful and she doesn't deserve to be, have a death by falling off a cliff edge. Murder me, daddy. And all of a sudden, I was distracted by the headlights in my rearview mirror and I didn't say, ah, I didn't say, ah! I said, hello. Hello. <laughs> which I hate and love at the same time. To which Ellen immediately mimicked and was like, uh, hello? <laughs> hello? I was so, so concerned. Um, we made it. We made it. And we got really cool matching tattoos that are, I mean, they're, they're kind of matching. They're, uh. They're perfect. They're perfect. They're great. Like Ellen. Oh my yeah. God. But Stop. we got the tats. We were. I got my, I got the fucking face tattooed. She's, it's not her face. It's her lip. Um. And we were still going to go to No Vacancy afterwards, but that didn't happen because we ended up leaving at like 1.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah. So we went to Denny's. <laughs> Sponsor us. Please. And uh, I want Ellen to tell this story. I really, love your, I really love your mozzarella sticks, Denny's, and I just would really like you to sponsor us. Um, so we get to the Denny's, and we're sitting there, and our waiter kind of sucked. Is that agreeable? Yeah, he was like pretty attentive. At, ooh, he was pretty attentive at first. <laughs> he must die. He's just swerving all over. It's so good. <laughs> um, he was pretty attentive at first, and then he quit. Yeah. So we're just sitting there, and then in comes Beavis and fucking Butthead, these two incredibly drunk motherfuckers. Um, and Asia and I are just sitting there, enjoying our really, really nice five-star Denny's dinner. Oh. Okay, sidebar, that was a fucking amazing Denny's experience. It really was. Food-wise. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and I was just, like, had my hand on my face, and this dude just, like, is mocking me, and I just started laughing because I was really uncomfortable, and then Asia's like, what? And I'm like, homeboy's, like, mocking me, and we just ignored them. Well, like, what was it, like, five or ten minutes later? Not even, because we got our food, and we were like like eating the food and of course it's Denny's at 2 o'clock in the morning and so I'm stretched out all the way across the booth and basically laying down and all of a sudden something hits my fucking leg and it's because these motherfuckers threw a coffee creamer at me from across the Denny's and I was like 
what the fuck? <laughs> I was getting so... And Marta, you know how I am. Yeah. When I get, it, <laughs> if Asia's startled in public, she's like, who did that? <laughs> and she did. She did so hard. She was like, it's not fucking funny, dude. Yeah, it's not funny. They were like over there. And this is like some grown ass, like 30 plus year old men. They're not like young guys. They're like no. in their mid to late 30s. No. And wait, what the fuck? What's it? Ha- oh, okay. <laughs> We're getting in the carpool lane. Um, and they're like, I don't know. It wasn't us. We didn't do it. And I was like, it's not fucking cute. It's not cute and you're not funny. And then they were like, I don't even know what they were saying because then I just turned around and started ignoring them. And then there was a table behind us and this dude stands up. He's like six foot five, huge dude. And like walks over to their booth and literally corners him in and it was like getting in his face and like pointing. It was like, leave those women alone. And he was like our knight in shining armor. Yeah, dude, legit. He was like- I thought we were gonna like watch a fight. Yeah. He was, like in his face, and he was like talking like real quiet, like up in his face, like, dude, it's not fucking funny. Like, you need to fucking knock that <sighs> shit off. And, and then he, like his girlfriend came over and was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like full He's stop like, though. <laughs> totally had my phone ready. It was ready to see a Denny's bra. <laughs> and then our our waiter was like awkwardly standing to the side and he didn't know what to do with his hands. And he's like, ah. So we like made those two guys move tables. Um and like. It was like the most fucking ridiculous thing because the the one that had thrown the thing at Asia and the guy had just gotten to his face, like stood up and like stank eyed this guy all the way across the restaurant. Was like, you want to take this shit outside? You want to take it outside? (laughs) And mind you, like his fucking like homeboy's girlfriend that was like holding him back because he would literally have massacred this like puddle of a human being was like, no, you just need to calm down and was like petting his arm. Yeah, it was just like, it's fine. It's not worth it. Um, <laughs> I pause, or, or it's not pause. Pardon my language, but from across the room, because they kept like fighting with each other, guy looks over at them. He's like, you're fucking re- You're oh, fucking re- He kept saying, he kept telling them. He's like, we turned around to the guy like, oh my God, thank you so much. He's like, they're fucking re- You were like, uh, hard R. It was so, oh man. So anyways, Asia and I are like waiting for our check because we're really uncomfortable because we're like right in the middle at this point between like the table with the lady and the guy and then these two motherfuckers that are just like ridiculous. Um, And we're like, fuck, we need our check. So we finally flagged down the waiter and got the check. Then we like grabbed the table behind us meal as well because we're like, thank you for fucking sticking up for us. Because they were not gonna stop. Well, that's never that's happened. That's good. Like I've never, I've never probably because Ellen's with us and she's hot. Yeah. But uh, that that never happens for me. I usually just fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like get out of my personal I'll, space. I'll fucking fuck you up, thanks. <laughs> Dude, I was so ready to throw hands. Um, but yeah, shout out to like I don't know, is this like a misconnections thing? Like, hey, guy at the Denny's uh, with the slicked back hair that was like six foot five with a really hot girlfriend. Guy with the- all made in the hot GF. Thanks for defending our honor at the local Denny's. Yeah. Fucking truly. <laughs> Shout out to you, sir. And ma'am. But yeah, it was really good. Uh, we It was wiling out. I went to bed at 10 p.m. because <laughs> I have strep. <laughs> so I was supposed to fly to New York last night and I had to eat the ticket. And I went to urgent care and they were like, yeah, you got... <laughs> You got uh, 
You got the strep for sure. But then I was like, also, could it be mouth gonorrhea? And they were like, mm, maybe, but probably not. <laughs> the best thing ever was me sitting in a, like, a fucking huge ass jacked up truck and introducing Marta to one of my friends that lives out here. I, I roll and up her, in an Uber after my urgent care visit. After her urgent care and she gets out of the car, she goes, well, it's not mouth gonorrhea, so that's good. <laughs> Had never met my friend before, and he was like, wait, is that like an actual concern? I'm like, mouth gonorrhea is always a concern. Fuck you. Any any gonorrhea is a concern. No, just mouth. Just mouth. Yeah, yeah. fuck it. I don't care about the others. Who needs genitalia anyways, yeah. am I right? Take it out. <laughs> Negate. So, 8mm came out uh, February 26th of 1999. Uh, the director is Joel Schumacher, who also did a couple episodes of House of Cards. Uh, let's see, what else? Okay, I forgot to look that up because that name sounds really familiar to me. He is, yeah, he's <laughs> done a couple other stuff. Let's see. Uh, the Incredible Shrieking Woman. <laughs> he, oh, he did St. Elmo's Fire in 85. Oh, okay. uh, He did The Lost Boys in 87. Oh, Lost Boys, yeah. that's what it was. Um, oh, my God, he directed the movie Cousins. I've never seen that. It's about cousins who fuck. Literally makes so much sense, though, with this film. <laughs> it's wow. good. Um, yeah, so he's done some movies. Um, oh, he did the number 23. <gasps> wow. And The Phantom of the Opera. Ba, 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 ba. I lost my virginity to that soundtrack. <laughs> oh, okay. Ain't no rest for the wicked, huh? Oh, fuck. So I have the synopsis pulled up that I would like Ellen to read. Oh, so I'm gonna the... hand. I'm going to hand this to you. What do See I that? Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, the Marta just decimated okay? Ellen. Are you okay? Yes, it just hit my lip. I we hit a bump and I lost traction and I dropped it. Okay, oh my wait. god, your tattoo lip? Are you ready? Yeah, that paragraph. So you can put it on your lap. Private detective Tom Wells, Nicholas Cage, lives a normal life with his wife, Katherine Keener, and young daughter until he receives a startling new case. A widow named Miss Christian, Myra Carter, has found out what appears to be a snuff film along her, <laughs> her late husband's belongings, and she wants Wells to determine if the movie is real or fake. Wells heads to California, where a video store employee—I cannot say his Joaquin name. Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix helps him infiltrate the dangerous and depraved world of illegal porn movies. Yes. This is the mortgage, Cindy's college money. If I do right by Mrs. Christian, the circle she runs in, this could be the break we've been waiting for. It can't take more than a couple weeks. That's all I can tell you, honey. Sometimes you can't know what I'm doing. It's better that way. It's always that way. You come highly recommended, Mr. Wells. You're praised for your discretion. Thank you, ma'am. As you know, my husband passed away recently. Yes. My husband was the only one with the combination to this safe. These were my husband's private things. I didn't. I didn't realize. Do you want to tell me what you found, Mrs. Christian? <laughs> Private Detective Tom Wells is one of the only people who has seen it. It is eight millimeters wide. It runs at 16 frames per second. And he has been hired to discover. All I want is to know. 
this atrocity is false. I want the proof of it. If what's on it is real. Finding the guys who made this film is going to be very difficult. I need information. I thought you might be able to help. You name the vice, I name the price. I'm gonna tell you, there's things that you're gonna see that, that you can't unsee. They get in your head and they stay there. Some doors should never be opened. Tom, where are you? You dance with the devil. The devil don't change. The devil changes you. Because once you go through... I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. There is no going back. Nicholas Cage. I'm trying to understand! Whoever you were, just forget about it. I can't. There's no one left to finish this but me. Eight millimeter. A film by Joel Schumacher. Why? Why did, why did that Prius stop so far back? I don't know. And his, his fucking, okay. If you compare, you lose. That's what a bumper sticker says. And then it also said, it is not your job to like me, it's mine. Okay, fun wow, fact. Wow, self-worth, great fucking thing. Why is the Black carpool Prius. lane backed up? Fun fact about Priuses, they're actually really, really not that environmentally friendly because of their batteries. Oh, yeah. it's acid. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck your Prius. You suck. Bit works. Oh my god, why? This is stupid as fuck. I'm about to get angry. Keep going. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm so sorry. happy. The point of the carpool lane is you go faster. <laughs> no. No, you did great. So yeah, this movie, um Well, first of all, I guess <laughs> I don't really know I don't really know how we're gonna like break down the movie itself because we all agreed that this had a strong plot and it yeah. wasn't well executed. No, it was, I wouldn't even say, I'm just gonna say that it was because of the pacing. I, th I the agree. The pacing was trash. The yeah. pa it was too slow in the wrong places. Yes. Um, at least I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my critique, my primary critique and then hand the microphone back to Ellen because I'm about to get super fucking pissed at this carpool lane. <laughs> um, basically, I, w I was really like, oh shit, this is gonna be good because it's whatever, it's like a, like a PI and he's talking to this old lady and then she's like, it appears that a girl was killed on camera and I'm like, oh fuck, excuse me, that's yeah. dope. Uh, not dope, but <laughs> no, you were like, okay, sick. I'm like, in. I'm fucking in. But it just like, at least for me with editing, editing helps put you like in that moment. Yeah. And I don't know if perhaps Joel Shoemaker saw Snake Eyes and was like, I'm going to do really long takes. Um just like Brian De Palma. Yeah. And then he wasn't capturing very interesting footage the same way that Brian De Palma was in Snake Eyes, but he still lingered on things that didn't need to be lingered on like yeah. at all. And so when we're looking at like montage shit, 
and he's like looking at all this porn because that's the other thing is like I'm thinking of like porn montages of like not, not that I want to see porn montages but like <laughs> if you can imagine like if you picture in your head like Nicolas Cage like twitching and like obviously like in a, some kind of anguish watching some really fucking brutal porn I'm talking like bestiality yeah. child pornography like really the most fucked up shit really fast so it's just overwhelming and then he just like shuts the la- like laptop or whatever or ch- turns the TV off or something like that projector yeah that would be so much better than what we actually got which was just him like watching a snuff film in real time and being like Ugh. but the th- uh, it was oh. it was bad and like what I'm, I'm glad you brought up the editing because even in that specific scene his reactions were we saw too much of the beginning and end of reactions instead of it cutting in the middle of him being like ah like even if they had chopped that up a little bit it would have felt more realistic but i feel like a lot of this movie felt like when you're watching um like snapchat or something and people are like okay go and then you saw the beginning action instead of it already being happening like there's a montage scene where it's supposed to be like he's doing all this work he's traveling cross country like it's supposed to show time is passing and how much of this case is unraveling but even that i was like this is not it's not fast paced enough to show different cuts of like what he's doing because there's like a walking scene where he's on the phone and I swear to God we see the first step taken I want him to already be walking like even if they did VO until they get to that of him on the phone it would have been better there were just a lot of things a lot of things that I didn't like that they did like I know I was talking about like recutting the end of Snake Eyes last week but I genuinely like thinking about this movie want to get my hands on a blu-ray copy just so i can cut it better yeah like and you know what else i want to fucking do is add a fucking phone effect to their voiceovers oh yeah there's so frustrating there's so many parts where nicholas cage is talking to Catherine keener and she's like how's the case going he's like it's just some really heavy shit but i'm getting close to a breaking point but it's all vo and it's supposed to be over the phone and it's just like narration yeah it just sounds like they're sitting in the same room together and like speaking softly at each other I don't like it it's horrible it's yeah like we need we both we all agreed we were like we need the phone effect where it sounds like you're on the phone like if Catherine Keener isn't in the scene I don't want it to sound like she's right there yeah yeah I agree because that also like to me that loses the effect of them being separated because one of the main like subplots or whatever is that Nicolas Cage is too dedicated to his work and and he's really uh, neglecting his family because he's got Catherine Keener looking hot as fuck like a 90s mom in this by the way. She's wearing those big sweaters. Fucking massive. With the cute hair. (gasps) Bruh. (laughs) Good save. That was that fucking Tesla's fault. Fucking Tesla. Dude. I'm not even going to try to explain what just happened because I'm so angry about it. Yeah. I can't get back. I can't go back to Asia, that I want to, I just want to say, I know we're kind of like, oh, we're being so dangerous, blah, blah, blah. But I want to say that Asia's actually like, of all the chaos that's happening in this car right now, Asia's doing a really, really good job of like keeping us safe on the road. So for viewers, I'm sorry, listeners who 
are concerned for our safety. We're in good hands. It's just unfortunately everyone else around us is driving like an idiot. Yeah, I do want to say really quickly that they for some reason almost came to a fucking complete halt when I was going like 70. Yeah. Everyone was going 70 and then all of a sudden everyone was stopping. So like, why, why isn't the, it's one person that stopped abruptly and everybody else had to. So it's like, why aren't you just paying attention, not slamming on your brakes? Should I get out of the car and fight him? Yeah. Yeah, get out of the car while we're moving. All right, pull up right next to him, and I'll just fucking bash his... No, I'm just going to elbow his window out and just crawl into his car and punch him in the face. I think that they have a lot of people in their car, too. Good. It looks like there's, like, four people in there. More people for me to fight, for your honor. Anyway. Um, one of the main subplots is that he's really neglecting his family while he's investigating this super heavy shit, and so he's super stressed... And it's apparent he's gone for, like, several weeks. It's not months, because, you know, like, his baby doesn't age. But it's definitely several weeks. And so the fact that they don't put that separation of, like, the phone voice on there, it's, like, killing the fact that they are separated. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Can we also talk about how they set up this subplot but didn't really do much with it? besides just the phone conversations and like at the very the very end yeah like they they kind of execute it but it's not necessary no and if anything it just makes Katherine Keener annoying yeah because she's like he's like dude I can't tell you what I'm dealing with there's like a dead girl yeah and Catherine Keener's like you're never around anymore yeah I was like bitch if if I was gonna cut this movie I would completely cut out Katherine Keener. Probably. Yeah. I think I would completely cut her out. No yeah. Sense. I don't she think it's great. necessary. She was I mean, great, but the like, only reason they use her is to create minor tension with Nick so that he's more stressed, and they didn't even make that evident. And then also, just because at the very end, like, the bad guys threaten their lives, but then they never, like, it never happens. Yeah. yeah. It was like, it literally was just like, yeah, I will, like, find your wife and daughter, and yeah. then that was it. Like, nothing happened with them, and then all of a sudden, they're just, like, back at their homestead and, like, fine. And I, I'm like, okay. I definitely feel like if, if I was going to recut this, I would cut out the, maybe the tension between them and just yeah. set it up so it's like, oh, this is this is a family man. Like, he loves his family. Everything's yeah. really great. Um, I would probably try to, like... Make it a little bit more cunty. Cunty. <laughs> Sorry. I was. I got porn on my mind. Um, I would make it a little bit more cutty. I would probably try to pull, honestly, some, like, hardcore porn. Yeah. And, and cut and, like, splice it in in some spots. Because something that I didn't think about until just now, because I was like, I want to see what's happening and then him react to it. They probably couldn't show what was actually supposed to be happening. Yeah. Um, not to say, not to say I'm gonna, like, fucking go find some, like, bestiality porn or anything like that. I just want some, like, S&M. Yeah. I mean, we saw a decent amount, but it wasn't, yeah, as as horrific as they were implying it to be. We saw, like, a girl get her throat cut. Yeah, but, like, as far as, like, the bestiality and, like, because a lot of this movie, you're right, does have to do with the adult you know, film store and adult uh-huh. porn and everything, and like the the BDSM culture that is in. Because where are they at that point? Are they in Miami? No. They're, oh, that's New York. In New York. In, like, okay. New York and LA. 
Oh, I thought they were in Miami at some points. I think he starts in Miami. I think, oh. I think the... Okay, let's explain the plot a little bit, I guess. Um, because the reason that all of this starts is the old lady, Mrs. Christian, her husband dies, and mm -hmm. she finds this, this 8 millimeter film roll of a girl getting killed, and she wants to make sure it's not real. So that's why he goes on this chase, and he finds out that the girl has been missing for like six or seven years, he talks to her mom, and through and, and finds out fucking Norman Reedus is there at one point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's so hot. Um, finds out that she wanted to go to L.A. and be like a movie star and everything. So he goes to L.A. Hmm. and finds out where she was kind of employed, I guess, which is basically at a really shady porno place masquerading as a what was it called? Like celebrity films or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, star films or star some shit. films. Yeah. But obviously that's like some fucking, what did I call it? Like a couch? Uh, casting couch. Casting, casting, casting couch. couch well, fucking and deal. the man who runs that is fucking uh, James Gandolfini. From uh, Sopranos. Sopranos. He's Tony Soprano. Rest in peace. Oh, yeah. Dude, get out of my fucking blind spot. <laughs> what is that? Supposed to be a minivan? Oh, it's kind of cute, though. It is cute. I was actually like, I kind of would drive, I would drive that. I would drive it, too. Like a baby SUV. It's like, it's like a baby minivan mixed with a larger hatchback. It's like a Nissan Versa. It is a Nissan. <laughs> it's a Nissan Versa Note SV. Sponsor us. Sponsor us, <laughs> Nissan. Anyways. Anyways, so, um, yeah, he eventually finds that it is real. Spoiler alert, the snuff film is real. Yeah. Orchestrated by um coke fingers mcgee but it's through that woman's mrs christian's husband now deceased like yeah. he paid for it to yeah. be made he paid his he paid his accountant i think his or, lawyer. or his lawyer he paid his yeah. lawyer to, to make it for him um which is really fucked up because <laughs> in the beginning when um you know when nick's called and is at the what's the what's the what's her name the old Mrs. Woman. Christian. And when he's at Mrs. Christian's mansion, it's just the lawyer and Mrs. Christian that are like, we want you to look into this. And Nick even says, he's like, I'm going to deal with you, for, like, directly and not go through your lawyer, no offense, dude. And he's like, that's fine. And so, but then we find out later that the, you know, that the lawyer isn't on it and that all these people who created this film together, including her husband, are like, demons they're just terrible yeah. which um remind me is it peter stormore is, is that the, yeah, the guy's name it, it's the guy from fargo the yes pancakes. european guy <laughs> what are you saying where is pancake's house <laughs> where is pancake's house and then he's also the doctor in minority report oh, he's always yes. smarmy and we love him he's so great um i don't know if i'm saying his name right but that's peter stormore so he's like the actual director of these movies <laughs> my favorite literally my favorite part in this movie i think is when he dies because he gets shot does he get shot with a crossbow i think yeah. so <laughs> so many crossbows in nick cage films <laughs> he gets shot with a crossbow but it's like right after he did a shit ton of drugs and he's like no not like this <laughs> it's, oh yeah i'm supposed to have a more elaborate death <laughs> yeah and he has on like the he looks like a fucking wizard because he's got that robe on this like really ornate robe 
his like super long coke fingernails that were really uncomfortable. Really gross. Just because the car noise, we have to hold the mics closer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like that's good. Okay, cool. Um, if I'm leading us astray, then I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's going to be all over. Yeah. You're going to have I mean, a great time. How did we feel? How did we feel about Nicolas Cage's performance, well, though? That's um, I actually made a list of questions once we were done talking about like the movie itself, and that's one of the questions I have. I mean, I honestly, because I don't want to go beat for beat, because I no, just kind of like I don't want to go beat for beat yeah. either. But I feel like all that we've said is the beginning and the end, and we haven't even talked about Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, so, fuck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So basically, so like, in four sentences, which is essentially the synopsis we already read. Nick is just trying to find out more about this girl and if she's alive, and he's interacting with her mom, and then he also befriends Joaquin Phoenix, who works at an adult um, adult f- video store. Yeah, he works at an adult video store, but hides the fact that he's actually, like, really intelligent because he's reading, like... Truman Capote. Yeah. With, with behind, porn. <laughs> yeah, what with, was it? It was, like, a porno cover on the front, like, some kind of erotic... I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> Fuck you, Bitworks. <laughs> hey, oh, no, 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 Ellen. I don't want to get killed. <laughs> we're, we're not able to drive away. We're going to see them again. It's um, not. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Just he's... throw a bumper sticker at us. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character is, like, he came to L.A. to be in a band. Mm-hmm. Jo- what is it? Johnny California or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously that didn't work out so now he works at this porn center and he kind of works as Nicolas Cage's partner a little bit mm-hmm. unofficially and I do kind of like the fact that his uh, most of his dialogue is him just being like oh Nick you're you don't even know what you're getting into you're gonna get in too deep yeah <laughs> he's like you have no idea how intoxicating it is yeah like this world um, because he takes him to all of the, like, underground, like, porno exchange places. Because yes. this is, like, pre-big internet. Yes. Like, this is, we're still in dial-up era. Oh, yeah. And so we're not downloading porn from the internet or streaming it. We're, like, buying VHS tapes and pictures. Like, Y2K is still a concern. Yes. <laughs> so we need to get all the physical media. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so... So he kind of, like, teams up with him almost. He teams up with him, even to the point where when Nicolas Cage is, like dude this is getting too heavy like i'm about to go someplace else just go home i think yeah. they go to new york yes from la and he's like i bought you this fucking plane ticket back to la here's all your money leave why um is the so the does the ending take place in new york like why did they go to new york is that where the director was i yes. can't remember okay yes so so the whole thing is that the uh what's it well fuck what's his name not fellini gandolfini gandolfini um Mr. Celebrity Films Big Shot director getting his dick sucked on the casting couch. Well, he's Ooh, like he's like it. the producer, and then director oh, is true. like Peter. True. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Stormer. Pe- Stormer. 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 Peter. Peter, the director, is in New York, and Gandolfini, the producer, is in L.A. Mm. And Nicolas Cage has been watching him and calls him and is like, I know about the girl. Like, you're fucked. Yeah. And he's like, call him. Call him, you sick fuck. Yes. <laughs> and calls uh, Peter Stormare in New York and is like, someone's on to us. And Peter's like, oh, you're so, you're so, what is it? Uh, <laughs> paranoid. You're so paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they know about that. That girl we did six years ago. 
So they all end up going out to New York. Yes. And Nicolas Cage is posing as someone who wants a, a snuff film made. Yeah. Or not even a snuff film, just like a film in general. A brutalization yeah. porno. And he's like, I want the machine. Which yes. is the machine is the man in the video, the original stuff snuff video, yes. and he's got like a fucking leather the masked man mask on and a fucking pentagram tattoo on his hand and he just like is the guy that will beat and kill you. Yeah. So they catch on to him somehow. Well, Nick, so Nick's propositioning the guy, the director, because he's like, I want, I, he's just trying to get in contact with that guy so that he can be like, you killed this girl. And so he's like, I want this movie made and I need the machine there. I don't care how much it, it like costs or whatever. And then when, once they're in New York, like you said, that's when he's like, Joaquin, it's going to go down. But I don't remember what made them catch on to him. Because then, cause then every, cause the director, the producer, and um, the machine are, like, waiting for Nick to come. And they and he ends up going to, like, the warehouse where they're all about to make the film. But the girls don't show up. And he's like, where are the girls? Oh, And then it, he's in trouble. Isn't it because Nick called to get the extra money to have the film made, the lawyer was there. So the lawyer's oh. the one that ratted them out, yeah. Oh, yeah. right, because we forgot, because at this point in the film, we don't know that the lawyer's part of it, although we don't feel safe around him. Like, we know something's up with him. Um, so was the lawyer there? Yeah, the, oh yeah. Remember, because they're like, and they brought in um, his sidekick and like put him up. And, yes. and he's the one that actually walked in Which with is walking. Him. I think that that must be it because I remember him calling Mrs. Christian being like, I just need a little bit more money for this last thing if this works. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. kind of. Um, yeah, so uh, they have they have Walking Phoenix beaten to a pulp, strapped up, getting ready, like on a target. Like on a like, fucking cross. Like a cross Crucifix, with a target. Yeah. And they're like, we're about to fucking shoot him with this crossbow so I don't even honestly I don't even I was falling asleep at this point he was like he was like you have to go get that film right now like go get the oh, film or right. we're going to kill him right so the lawyer gets put in charge of like making sure that Nick goes and gets the film um and I, all the while like Joaquin is like on this like crucifix like bloodied to a pulp oh right because they're, yeah they're holding him hostage yeah and then nick walks back in with the film and like hands it to them and but they burn it i think outside is probably i think outside is where at least where i think that this is why we came here moment is because mm. mm. I, I can't think of another another part really but he has like a confrontation with the lawyer where he's like this was a person and you, and people cared about her and like yeah. I don't know he kind of oh, cuz they said they were like no one you're the only person who cares about this no one cared about her and he's like her mom fucking cared yeah. and like it's actually a really good scene and I mean to give defense of the like the character choice to have a daughter he has a baby daughter so I guess that kind oh, of that's true. can relate to his you know motivation for finding this for the mom and like because this poor girl murdered brutally okay, and no one so knew. I would go to argue that the this is why we came here moment could also be whenever 
they're in the shed where the girl got killed. Yeah. And he's that's like, a good one too. Oh, shit. whenever he calls the mom and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry, that, tell I me. forgot about that. Yeah, because he could, like, okay, so he calls the girl's mom. Yes. Um, jumping ahead, though. Okay, sorry. Well, technically back. I mean, we were already at the end. No. Because he takes the <laughs> Oh, no, produ- you're right. Yeah, he takes the producer. Okay, so hold on. So, what? yeah, what's the ending in the warehouse? Like, ending, how does that result? Ending in the warehouse is Joaquin gets killed. They kill him anyway, because of yeah. course they do. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. They tie him up and are trying to kill him, but... Nick, yeah. Fucking Peter Stormare kills the lawyer. He, Why? The one million dollars, remember? Because Nick was <gasps> oh! like, what did you do with the one million dollars? What did you do with it? Oh, yeah. And, okay, so... <sighs> Nicholas Cage tells Mrs. Christian, like, look through your husband's accounting and find, like, anything suspicious you think. And she's like, oh, you know what? It's really weird. I looked in all five accounts and it looks like six years ago across five accounts about a million dollars was taken out so he's like oh what the shit they they fucking paid these people a million dollars to kill a girl yeah and record it so when they all get back together and i think it's after joaquin phoenix gets killed he was like well so what'd you do with the the million dollars that you see you got that was actually like one of the best acting because when he says a million dollars you see the terror in the lawyer's eyes yeah and we're like oh because then everyone looks at him and he's like because he stiffed them yeah he stiffed them i think he paid them like 500 or not 550k yeah 50k a piece 50k a piece out of a million and then just pocketed the rest. <laughs> so they kill him. So they fucking shoot him in the neck with a crossbow. Yep. And then Nick kills... Nick is already tied up at this point. Uh-huh. So while oh, right. they're like... So uh, while they're like walking towards the lawyer to kill him, Nick is tied up to this bed that is really close to a table where his gun is. Mm. I think... But I think that... I think that they sh- he shoots the lawyer with the crossbow, and then the lawyer shoots Peter with a gun. Yeah. Okay. And now, now go on. Um, and so, like, Nick is, like, trying to get to his gun or whatever. And so all of this is happening on the side, and everyone's getting shot, and they're all talking shit. And he's like, this is not how I die. Um, and then Nick, like, knocks over the table, which gets the machine's attention. Because yes. that's important. That's super important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That... Uh, so Machine and Nick get in this altercation, and Nick, like, jabs him in the stomach, yeah. like, through yeah. the belly button. It was, like, the hardest thing I've ever had to watch in my life. Yeah, Ellen um, was like, oh, fuck, through the belly button? And then I, <laughs> I was, was like, so upset. Oh, that, yeah, that would fucking suck. It fucking what did he use? Was like, it a knife? I, it was like a... It was like a, an ice pick. Yeah, it was like a piece of metal. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, I, I fucking, like, it hurts my stomach if I just poke my belly button. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you're digging too hard for yeah. treasure. It's like, oh, no, I, I can feel it in my spine. <laughs> um, so, like, whatever. Like, Nick gets free, and um, the producer, which I always forget his name. I'm so shitty. Yes. Uh, he, like, grabs a gun, and Nick now has a gun, and... But Nick's still attached to the table, and instead of shooting the guy, he, like, shoots his handcuff and just runs. Oh, yeah. And we were like, why wouldn't you just kill him? But <laughs> but I, but it made sense, though, because if he missed, he's stuck there. The guy gets away. That's true. So he shot himself free, and then they're, um, how did they, how did the machine still alive? 
Yeah. yeah. So so Nick, the machine, and Gandalf Meany are still alive. This is that weird moment where he meets back up with his wife and she's like, we won't be here when you get back. And he's like, he's go like, somewhere safe. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and he's like, like, shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up, up. Catherine Keener. Um, but then he goes back to L.A., to hunt down the producer, I think, or yeah. he starts and he starts calling her. Does he get the machine first? No, he does no. the producer first. The machine's last. Is he? Yeah. Anyway, how does he kill Gandolfini? The so producer. he when he's going to kill the, I, I'm gonna finish with the Gandolfini, even if machine's last. Um, he hunts down the machine by calling like all the local hospitals and being like, "Did you get like a oh. big man with an abdominal injury this right. weekend?" Right. They hunt him down. He's like a fucking literally. Uh, what's the main serial killer's name in Mindhunter? Ed. Oh, he Ed looks Kemper. like Edmund Kemper. Ed Kemper. He yeah. looks like fucking Ed Kemper, and he lives with his mom. Yeah. Well, and I actually kind of enjoyed the way they did that though because he. So Nick, like, gets to the house, and he's, like, standing in the backyard watching, right? And To Machine's house, right? Yeah, to the Machine's house. And it's, like, you hear the dialogue between this guy and his mom. We still haven't seen his face because throughout the entire movie, we haven't seen this guy's face. Like, that's the allure of, like, figuring out who the fuck this dude is. Um, But, like, so we get this, like, dialogue between this, like, murderer and rapist um, and his mother, and she's like, I just wish that you would go to church with me, like, yeah. once a week. And he's like, uh, you know how busy I am, Mom. And this is just, like, gives you, like, a glimpse of, like, how normal this dude is. Yeah. Um, and then she, like, gets on a bus that says, like, Christian. Christian church for blah, blah, blah. New Hope, I think it says. Christian yeah. church for New Hope. Um, and drives off. And then Nick Cage is like, this is my fucking moment. And, like, goes into the house. Mm-hmm. And goes... Does he go into the... They end up... the basement. They end up in a graveyard. And the dude has a yeah. ma- his mask on. And it was very reminiscent of Red Rock West yeah, for me. Yeah, he said that. And it was, like, pouring rain, right? And, yeah, yeah. And it was pouring rain. And he ends up getting, like, the higher ground or whatever. He's like, take your mask off. He's like, I don't want to... <laughs> takes the mask off and puts eyeglasses on because yeah. he look, literally looks like Ed Kemper. Yeah, it's like Ed Kemper mixed with the BTK killer. Yeah, and the quintessential serial killer glasses. Totally. <laughs> and the guy's like, do you want to know how I did it? I did it because I fucking like it. Yeah. And it, well, that's kind of fucked up, so Nick obviously kills him. Yes. And then he flies out. How does out. he shoot him? I can't remember. I can't remember how he he kills him. He stabs him in the stomach with a piece of glass. Like, he rips back open his wound. But, like, before we move on to the other thing, I just want to talk for, like, one second about, like, there's not a ton of, like, memorable lines. No. Um, But the one where he, like, what Asia was just saying, where he's, like, on top of Nick, he's like, do you want to know why I do it? It's not because I had a poor childhood. It's not because I... My daddy beat me. My daddy was a good man, and my mother goes to church. I just fucking enjoy it. And that yeah. literally, like, throughout the entire film, I didn't really have a moment where I was like, ooh, that that just really fucked me up. Well, and also, when, because he's, like, literally, like, on top of Nick, like, fucking between his legs, and he's like, don't you see how hard this makes me? Yeah. And I was like, ooh, no, I don't like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I loved that. Um, of course you But did. that's because of my obsession with serial killers. <laughs> But before this happens, 
Because um, that essentially wraps up and ends the film, right? That yeah. kill? Yeah. That kill, because then he goes home and he's, like, traumatized. Yeah. And gets a nice note from the girl's mom and is like, thank you for justice. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... I'm glad, I'm glad that you saved Gandolfini's death because I actually like this one better yeah I can't believe I forgot this I'm so stupid no it's okay um so before he catches up with the machine the machine he goes and takes Gandolfini to the fucking abandoned LA zoo Mm -hmm. into the cages because that's where they killed the girl and they made this snuff film yeah and the whole time he's there he's like beating the shit out of him and like He's like beating the shit out of him and like borderline torturing this guy. And then Gandolfini starts like taunting Nick yeah. and is like, fucking kill me, like, bet. The shot where he like literally puts the pistol, he like in his eye and he was like, dude, oh. I fucking like it. And then he and was like, he licked it. Yeah, he was like, he like gave this pistol a fucking rim job, dude. Like, it was a power move. It, it was, was totally. so strong. And Nick is obviously a good guy. He's always the good guy. Yeah. And so he's like, I can't fucking do it. And the producer's like laughing his ass off, like, ha ha, like pussy. Bring mm-hmm. your daughter and your wife here and I'll make you a film. It's yeah. That's super fucked up. And so he goes outside and calls, oh, what's her name? Marianne? Yeah. Marianne's mom, the girl that got killed. And he was like, you said that either way if she was dead or alive you would want to know and he tells her mom that she's dead and then what does he ask her he oh he goes and this is like my favorite part and this is why i think it's a this why we came here moment because like tell me that you love her tell me how much you love her tell me how much she means to you yeah She's like, tell me to hurt these men. Tell me it's okay because you love her. Yeah. Like, that's, he doesn't say that literally, but his, his tone, that's what he's looking for, yeah. which is so fucked up and beautiful. Yeah, you know, he's definitely, like, looking for permission to seriously just fuck these yeah. guys up so like, hard. And, like, her mom's on the phone like, I love her so much. I think about her all the time. Like, and he's like, oh, bet. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. But my favorite part is, like, whenever he hangs up the phone and he's got, like, tears in his eyes or whatever because he just had this, like, really emotional conversation where he's, like, getting himself damped. And he just, like, fucking clicks the phone off, stands up, and is just, like, fucking Terminator mode. He's yeah. like, fuck this motherfucker. Yeah. The look of determination. Like, he's like, there's no question anymore about my morals. This is what I'm about to do. Yeah. Well, and, like... I think that what was really nice, because um, we didn't talk about this, but whenever he actually found the producer, the producer was, like, putting a bunch of child porn and, like, all of these Polaroids and shit into the back of his car. Mm. And Nick, like, takes this guy's car, so they have it there. So whenever he, like, finally fucks this dude up, um, he's going to light the place on fire, and he's just dumping all of this child pornography on top of the dude um, and, like, having this really, like, crazy-ass moment. Yeah. Oh yeah, cause he let, li- cause he lights it all on, like douses it in gas. Yeah. Lights it up. Does he burn him alive or did he kill him first? I can't remember. I he was like barely hanging on to life. He like beat the living shit out of this dude and then like lit him oh, on fire yeah. and was like burn motherfucker. The more that we go into this movie, cause now I like I started getting really excited just now about everything that was happening. I'm like, oh no, this was a really good movie, but it was really fucking boring to watch like it's disappointing because it's really 
a lot. It really is a lot. I was I was talking to one of the editors at, at my new job, and he was like, "Oh, that's a heavy movie to watch," and like. I thought it was kind of boring, but it's true. Well, the content is heavy, but unfortunately, kind of what we discussed of of how it was executed made it not as intense as it could have been. Yeah. Um, well, I think, actually, that's a good lead-in. I think, are, do we feel pretty good about yeah. the coverage of the movie? Yeah. So, I know I already kind of, we already kind of discussed this, but the first question I had written down was, like, how did we feel about the pacing? Obviously, we already said everything that I needed to say about the pacing uh-huh. itself. Um, and I agree that I just, I, I do, I would be interested to see if you somehow were able to recut it. Because I think even just the re-edits could make this a stronger film. Yeah, I mean, I, I would genuinely love, there's like this whole community of people who will get Blu-rays mm. and, and recut things. Oh, cool. And it comes with, like, like Eric uh, did some re-edits to Under the Silver Lake and because mm-hmm. it, it actually gives you the 5-1 stems, so you can fuck with dialogue and music oh, and everything. cool. And so I kind of would be interested, maybe I'll talk to him, of possibly like getting... Like how to do it. Yeah, like how he did it, because I really think that this movie just needed a better editor. Yeah. Well, because at the end of the film, Asia was like, wow, I kind of want them to remake this movie because it's a good idea. And then I was like, actually, I would like you to recut it because I think, because I still want to see Nick in this age Uh play this character. Totally. But, um, well, so then that that leads into what you were asking earlier. Um, Like, what did we feel about Nick Cage's performance in general? Not like the this is why we came here moment, but just like him portraying this character in this scenario. I I liked it. I thought it suited him. Yeah. Um, I feel like his his character type, even if he is always sort of dancing around this character type. I don't want to mm-hmm. say he's typecasted because I don't no. think he is. No. But yeah. he is definitely plays characters with really strong morality yeah. and loyalty to yeah. their family. Mm-hmm. And because of that I think that his performance was really good, albeit it's pretty obvious he hasn't seen a lot of really fucked up shit. Yeah. Because he did not know how to accurately portray yeah. seeing someone being murdered on camera. Right. <laughs> that was that was literally, like, my exact same thought. It was, like, I think he was great for the, for the role. He just didn't doesn't have the frame of reference for that kind of reaction is like mm. how do how do I react to seeing something like this period <laughs> like yeah I, I I would agree as well I would say that I think his perf- I, I wouldn't say his performance was great in this but I can't think of if it's like maybe he needed better direction or what but like I know he could do this role he just didn't seem as embedded in this character as we've seen him in other characters and I think that might have just been because of, like, the confusion of the film itself. Maybe not him, per se. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, like, this is this is right up Nick's alley. Well, I definitely, I don't know. I really I really think that it's the editing because that's, yeah. that's the thing is, like, editing is super underrated if you want to go in my spiel really quick. Yeah. Because you can have an amazing theatrical performance from someone and it not be executed well enough and not be read well on film if you're not editing it appropriately. Exactly. And so, especially when we're talking about, like, 
almost delayed reactions or like we're seeing too much of like the first half of something when we should be seeing that last half of something. Yes. I think that that's really indicative of, I don't know, not being able, I don't want to say like not trusting your audience, but it just seemed like every reaction shot was really on the nose and I wanted it to be a little bit more artistic and put you in the moment instead of being like, he's looking at some really fucked up shit right now, guys. Yeah. Like, maybe, because even that makes it feel a little less authentic. Uh, Ellen, if you would look to your right, there is the Pacific Ocean. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't even realize we were already, like, by the ocean. I, I uh, hello? Hello. Um, um, what you were saying about editing, though, as well, uh, Asia, I, I, I do think it's super underrated, and I don't think people realize how much control... Um, the editor does have over yeah. that time and space and exactly because like yeah Nick's Nick Cage's performance is important um, like you were saying but you have the final control over how that time and that moment is portrayed directly to the audience yes yeah and if it's if you don't find a good editor that's going to make sure that that moment is like carried throughout yeah. from the performance to your fucking retinas mm-hmm. then what's the point and, that, and that's what I don't know that's why I personally love editing I'm gonna use I know I talked like a couple weeks ago about that short film that I was working on with Bailey and Darren but mm. even like we're not professionals by any means we shot on a fucking Sony in H.264 right mp4 format but it's like and not to give myself a pat on the back but it's like I showed it to both of them and I've showed it to a couple people and people are like this is pretty fun. Like it's pretty good, and it does. It doesn't. It's not slow. You're not yeah. wanting like to move on to the next thing. It's just like it kind of takes you where it needs to go, even if it doesn't look cinematic. Yeah, and that like it. That's the power of editing. Yeah, Definitely. and you don't have to. I don't know. I think editing is really important, especially like if you don't have the best camera or the best lighting people or the best yeah. sound people because just being able to like understand the story and watch it move forward is like really the most important thing and this movie bored me i think i think this is for people who don't understand how important editing is this is a very because sometimes i forget too and i know like i went Mm -hmm. to school with you guys like i know i i was taught that too i have did my fair share of editing not not that i ever was talented at it but that's something we learned so i understand the importance of it but even for me, this is a this is like the perfect movie as a reminder to show what happens when there's not good editing. Yeah. Um, but that sorry, we're running out of battery and we're we're almost done. So I'm gonna move on to the next question if that's okay. Let's discuss the music. Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot until oh, right now. Yeah. It was like weirdly like Middle Eastern. It, like uh, it reminded me of. Um, Oh god, like a little bit of platoon and like the um what I couldn't think of what movie it was when we were watching it, but I was like this reminds me of a movie but it makes sense where there's like chaos and like the the drums and like the it's like something disorienting. It's like disorienting and it's like tribal almost and it made no fucking sense to this film. I just, film. okay, I think that literally whoever chose the soundtrack for this was like, 
just watched one scene and was like, oh yeah, this would be cool. And they never watched the entire, like the entirety of it. It's what it feels like. It's like, oh, this would be neat right here because like, I understand like specifically the scene whenever they're going in the basement and then all of like the Middle Eastern music starts playing and it's like, yeah. or whatever. Um, like that scene alone, like if you just watch that one part, it, it gives that one scene a feeling and a mood because like you're in the, like a grungy fucking basement and everyone's looking at like child porn and bestiality porn and like it makes you uncomfortable but like continuity wise like pushing the film forward it does nothing no and it and they would even use it like it like you said it does work in that scene but in most other scenes it like He's just like pulling up to a mansion and it's like, it's like, what the fuck is this? Sorry, I'm just checking the map. There's a crash, that's why it's so slow right now. Oh no. Everybody's yeah, rubbernecking about a mile ahead. <laughs> oh shit. But the mu- I just had to bring up the music because it doesn't even need to be discussed that much. It was just very outrageous and weird. Super, super odd. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like. It reminded me of The Exorcist a little bit, where you're like, what's happening? Oh, uh, But yeah. um, there was the nothing really happening on screen that made me want to ask what was happening, because I already knew. Right, because <laughs> they spoon-fed it to us? Yeah. Um, well, what I was going to... I think we already did a lot of what we didn't like about the film, but I want to know what did we like about the film? What did we like? I really liked the concept. Yeah, me too. Um, Like, I was... At first, when we... uh. When we started, it reminded me of what's the what's the politician's wife movie we watched a couple weeks ago. Oh, um, Guarding Tess. Guarding Tess. It had Guarding Tess vibes at the start because yeah. very like military, not even military, but like formal. F- yeah, super formal, like rich clientele. Yes. Yeah. Um, like you're a well-known private investigator. Like yeah. Um, but then when she's like. It seems like a girl got killed. Yeah, we I were like, like, oh, oh, really? That's fucked up. I remember I was in the kitchen and Asia was like, Marta, did you hear that? And I was like, oh, that's what we're about to get into? Yeah. I'm super down for this. Because my thing is, I don't know what it is about it. I'm just a morbid person, even if I don't really like... Ever since I got onto my antidepressants, I'm very sensitive to... Um, like gore and violence Mm. because I think I have emotions again yeah and I'm like oh no 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 I don't want that yeah (laughs) but I am very fascinated with the idea of snuff films and like cannibal holocaust and like just seeing fucked up shit and it's weird because it's like it's actually a subculture that exists yeah well and I fucking remember Ellen and I watched uh what was that? House of Sodom. Oh my god. Uh, 100 Days of 100 Sodom. 100 Days of Sodom, and that was fucked up. Ugh. Have you ever seen that? No. Okay, well, I'm gonna summarize really quick. Basically, I'm never gonna see it. It's a f- <laughs> don't ever watch this. It's no, a, I don't want to. It's a foreign movie where, like, the politicians of whatever country they're in decide that they're like, we wanna have a summer of gluttony. What, what is it? It's, it's like multiple politicians from yeah. multiple countries. This is like the way that they keep their peace because they can't blackmail each other. Yeah. So um, they're like, we want to have a summer of gluttony. Let's find a hundred boys and girls and take them to this mansion and just brutalize them all Jeez. fucking summer. And they like rape them and like force them to like have sex with each other and make them eat like food with nails in it and shit 
and it's like fucked up it's like one of the most fucked up things i've ever watched and i think it's from like the 70s that was for an assignment for a class by the way wasn't it it was like an extra credit thing they were like you don't have to watch this but like <laughs> but if you want it you can but i remember we watched we watched that in battle royale back to back oh fuck oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Battle Royale. That's Sammy's favorite movie. That was a really, really heavy, heavy evening. Oh yeah. That sounds like horns too. (laughs) Daniel Radcliffe movie. I, I haven't seen that one yet. I, um, no, I agree with you. I think uh, there is actually a lot I like about this film. It's just, it's just a shame. Like, I think we said um, after the movie, and I think this is a good way to encapsulate our feelings, is that it felt like a near miss. Like, it could have been outstanding, and it felt, like, so close to it. It was just a near miss. Which is super frustrating because the storyline yeah. was there. Exactly. Maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe someday they will make, like, remake. If they're making fucking face-off again, which should not be touched, then they should also remake <laughs> this. Tell us how you really feel, Marta. I'm upset. <laughs> um, and then that that's pretty much all the questions I had. Um, so do we want to agree that, that this is why we came here a moment is definitely when he's on the when phone. He's on the phone. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So what, so what would you, Ellen, what would you give that on a rating of one to 10? Like the entirety of the movie? No, no, no. no. Oh, that this is how we, oh yeah, God. This is why we came here a moment. I don't know. I thought it was really well. Ex- I'm going to say like a six, I think. Okay. okay. Yeah, because like he's like super. It got real fucking intense really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm I'm probably in the six range also. Maybe a six and a half. I w- yeah, I was gonna do like a six point seven. That was what I was thinking. Cause it wasn't like crazy. No, it was warranted. Yeah, yeah. And it w- yeah, it wasn't. It, there was a good build up to it. Definitely. Yeah, it's hard for us sometimes to rate the the freak out moments because it is him freaking out, but. I think sometimes um, when it's when it's justified within the character and in the scene, it's harder to give it a higher rating because it's like he just did a really good job acting in that moment. Yeah. Whereas sometimes that this is why we came here. Moments are like, whoa, why is he yelling like yeah. that? So it's hard to judge them sometimes. Um, and I think that his his character for the most part throughout the film was so docile um, that those moments were really like jarring yeah um so then what do we feel about the movie on the whole i want to think about this i want to think about this too um well while we think uh i realized i forgot to read the um yes but i wrote it all down so i have it so what what do you think ellen what do you think the budget for this would have been and this is 1999 oh my god do you want a horrible question do you want to know what the budget was for the movie before like the movies before this yes okay so city of angels was 66 million snake eyes was 73 million and then eight millimeters a year after snake eyes so to give you an idea of kind of the range i'm gonna guess i'm gonna guess uh like 72 mil okay i was gonna say 70 to 75 Okay, so this one's lower. It's actually forty million. Really? What? So what do we think that the box office made, knowing that it was forty million? And Ellen, so okay, so Snake Eyes last week was seventy-three million for the budget, and the box office was hundred and three point nine million. So it profited like thirty million. 
Um, I feel like this would have been awful to watch in theaters, though, so... Yeah. I'm gonna guess... I'm gonna guess 80. Okay. I'd say that's solid. I'm gonna go with 80 as well. That's a that's a pretty solid guess. Uh, this made a lot more money than Snake Eyes did. Really? Yeah. So it was 96.6 million. So it profited 56.6 million dollars. I mean, that- I oh, oh my god! Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. There's a motorcycle. It just came up real fast and scared us. <laughs> Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's like it's Joel Shoemaker who's coming off of directing Lost Boys, etc. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nicolas Cage, who is in his prime, in his prime right yeah. now as the main character. I don't know how Catherine Keener was faring at this point, but she's always great. Yeah. Um, it was just taboo as fuck. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's like. A girl was killed on film. <laughs> well, I mean, the second that you hear the synopsis, like, we were like, oh, fuck, I'm into it when it started. So I could see as it's coming out, everyone's like, this is going to be great. So everyone went and saw yeah. it. I would imagine just, like, to kind of, um, like, if you think about the sex scene right now, right? So, like, BDSM is just now starting to be something that's, like, super mainstream, like Fifty Shades right. of Grey, like, uh, I want my husband to beat me. Right. With my whip that I bought at the lion's den two weeks ago yeah um so like if you like putting yourself back and be like this is heavy as fuck mm-hmm. there's something that like is not talked about at all so like as much as we feel like it's taboo like putting myself back and like oh yeah in the in late 90s in the late 90s where like yeah there's like a scene for that but that scene is not talked about like right at all right um, that's gotta, that, I'm sure that had, like, an incredible amount of draw, just because it's like, yeah. what is a snuff film? That's true. Um. Such a buzzword. Buzzword. Right? <laughs> yeah, this was 20 years ago. Like, a lot has changed in that time. Um, so, do we have thoughts about what we feel about the movie on the whole? Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Yeah, I have a number in mind, I think. I, I have a number in mind, but I'm, it's, I have, like, a pretty wide range that I have in mind. Um, but I, I, with everything we said, which I think we did a really good job of describing, like, the, um, the technique used in this film and, like, where things falter and where they don't, honestly, the editing really took me. Like, that's going to It killed me. It killed it me. Killed my so, score. honestly, I'm going to have to give this, like, maybe just a flat six. And the only reason I'm even staying in the sixes is because I think the concept was really good and uh-huh. it could have been stronger. And there are things I like about this movie. And I don't want to give it in the fives because I would maybe probably rewatch it just yeah. to like absorb more. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with a flat six. Uh, Ellen, I'm curious about what you want to rate it. Because you were like, oh, six is high. So, I yeah. was, I was going to say like a four and a half or five. I was going to say 4.8. Yeah. Just because like, I said this a couple of weeks ago, like, if a movie is boring to watch, like, that kills me. Wait, I'm changing mine. Like, that's why, this is a completely different topic, and I'll only touch on it for a hot second, but Marta and I really like uh, Mike Flanagan. Mm -hmm. That's why I didn't like Oculus. Yeah. Oculus, great concept. Amir is kind of haunted, but not really, because it just makes you do crazy, weird, paranormal shit. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Boring movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like... We got to rewatch it though. We got to rewatch it though because I have new. But I agree on on first watch with that one. Yeah, I lied. I'm doing a five point five. 
Okay. Because that's what I wanted to do, but I felt bad. But you're right. I just wasn't intrigued. I was bored. Yeah. Well, heck. <sighs> Anyways. But it's, I mean, I don't know if it's worth the watch, but it might be. Um, I definitely, I definitely say it's worth a watch, but like, it's worth a watch knowing that it's going to be a commitment because there's parts of it that is like treading through molasses where you're like, oh my fucking God, we get it. Like, come on, like give me something more. Yeah, definitely. Um, But without spoon, without spoon feeding it to me. Right. um, Show don't tell, bitch. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I think that. I think I'm gonna stick with like a 4.5 just yeah, because it that literally killed my soul a little bit. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, Ellen, thank you so much for <laughs> joining us in the car. Thanks for flying to LA just to do the podcast. And then oh we forgot because no I got strep and they got tattoos. And then we were like, oh, we have to drive you to San Diego. What if we record in the car? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's better this way because, like, I feel like we're taking the Nick Cage approach because he was just all over the fucking place during this movie. Oh, true. So he was he was on works. the road. Yeah. Thanks for letting me crash on your couch for a week, guys. Of course. You're more than welcome to come back whenever you want. Thanks for letting me spend with you. Yes. My wife. My wife. Don't. <laughs> do, you, do you have anything that you want to plug, Ellen? Like, as far as, like, maybe if you have like a website for your work or your Instagram or anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Not only is Ellen really hot, she's also a photographer. Um, She she does some cool photog stuff and lives a really cool life in Southern Illinois, which is our, where our hearts live. Yes. Um, Please plug your Instagram. Yeah, she's a super talented photographer. My Instagram is so annoying, though. No, do it. Um, give me I have one. pictures of me on the toilet on my Instagram. I love it. <laughs> no, I mean, like, my handle. My my oh. handle is, like, super underscore pale underscore female. Um, and I look like Elvira's half-baked twin sister in my profile picture. Perfect. Easy to find. I love her. <laughs> and then we have... Um, the Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, oh, oh, I can't check it to see if we got any emails because there's no Wi-Fi and Shit. I'm staring at the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually also, when we drop Ellen off, we're about to go see our baby girl, Michelle, who got a new corgi puppy. So you guys um, know her. We I'm talk about it. her all the time. Um, what'd you say? I'm taking the dog. Yeah, wait. We're gonna, Sorry, this Michelle. This is actually a kidnapping trip. <laughs> Um, Will you sponsor us? <laughs> baby napping. So we have gone in 60 seconds, N-I-C-S-T-Y, uh, on Instagram. And then Jin's Pod, G-I-N-S-P-O-D, on the Twitter, which Asia Mans and I occasionally get on when I'm drunk. Uh, and then we have gone in 60 seconds at gmail.com. Please send us anything um, regarding Nick. If you want to be involved in the podcast or anything at all. And then please like and subscribe because that helps us. If you like the dumb shit that comes out of our mouths, leave feedback. But don't leave bad ones, okay? Thanks. <laughs> be kind to us. We are sensitive. We're, we're so fucking sad. My soul off makes me emotional. <laughs> um, I think that's it, guys. Thanks for joining. Yay. On, on, on the road. It's like comedians in cars, but it's Marta <laughs> farting in the backseat. <laughs> and Ellen just jonesing for a cigarette this entire time. I know. Time. I was like, let's wrap this up so we can smoke because I have strep and I don't care. <laughs> Fuck it. Bye. <gasps> Slam on your brakes. We're going to get in a crash. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>